0: Seen so many times. John chapter 15 and we'll begin reading with verse 1 and we'll work our way through verse 6. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. night before the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. And this particular night has been the subject of our study for several weeks, and it will be for several more. We're in chapter 15, and just in case you're wondering, wondering, Jesus isn't arrested until chapter 18, and He isn't crucified until chapter 19. So we'll be here a little while. and We're spending a lot of time on this night Because John spent a lot of time on this night. And we're just going to let the Bible set our pace. There's a lot here for us. We're privileged, we're blessed to have this first-hand record of what Jesus taught His disciples on this important night. If you remember, when we finished chapter 14, Jesus says in that last verse, Arise, let us go from here. But then chapter 15 jumps right back into teaching. So one of a couple of things probably happened. One, they might have done that thing that's very typical in Baptist churches where after a long conversation, someone says, you know, I, I really have to go, um, you know, I've got to get the kids to bed, I've got to go to work, and you gather your things and you get about halfway to the door, the person's still along with you, and you stop and the conversation goes on another 15 or 20 minutes, right? Right? Or is that just me? Okay, just making sure. So perhaps they got up to leave. Jesus says, arise, let us go from here. They get up to leave. One of the disciples thinks of a question or makes a comment that leads Jesus to continuous teaching before they left the upper room. If that isn't what happened, my guess is option two. They got up and left and Jesus continued to teach them on the walk to Gethsemane. Whichever of these options you choose, I won't label you as a heretic. Chapter 18, verse 1 seems like they might not have actually left the upper room until he finished these chapters on teachings. But what's important for us this morning is the content of the teaching itself. Now introduction to this section is made by what we call Jesus' final I am saying. We've seen several of these. Remember Exodus chapter 3 when God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery. Moses said, When I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What do I tell them? And the Lord answered Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am is the name by which God revealed himself to Moses and to Israel. And throughout his ministry, Jesus appropriated that name for himself, identifying himself with God, revealing himself as God in human flesh. And John's gospel records these sayings of Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now in John chapter 15 verse 1, Jesus says of Himself, I am the true vine. Now this was an easy illustration for the disciples to understand vineyards were commonplace. But the significance of what Jesus says is in that one descriptive word, true. I am the true vine. Now, by implication, that means that there must be another vine, a false vine, if you will. And if you read your Old Testament and you consider the references to vines and vineyards in the Old Testament, it really isn't difficult at all to see what Jesus means here. I'll give you just a couple of examples. One in Psalm 80. Psalm 80 says, Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow and with the mighty cedars with its boughs. She sent out her boughs to the sea and her branches to the river. Who is the vine that God delivered out of Egypt? Israel. Who is the vine that God established, grounded, caused to take root, and drove out its enemies? Israel. But in that same psalm, the tone changes. He says, why have you broken down her hedges? So that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit. The boar out of the woods uproots it. The wild beast of the field devours it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see, and visit this vine and the vineyard which your right hand has planted, the branch that you made strong for yourself." Israel was the vine that was brought out of Egypt. She was planted. She flourished. She inhabited a portion of the land that God had promised. Her enemies were driven away, but then something changed. The vine that once flourished was trampled, plucked, brought down, destroyed. This is a description of judgment. What changed? Jeremiah 2.21, the Lord says, Yet I planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? See, Israel had been chosen and established by God. He made a covenant with them, saying, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. And Israel said, All that the Lord has said, we will do. So confident. But they couldn't, and they didn't. They failed to keep their covenant with the Lord. And they faced His judgment. Enter Jesus. Where Israel failed to submit to the Father, Jesus submitted perfectly. Where Israel failed to obey God's commandments, Jesus obeyed sinlessly. Where Israel failed to accomplish the mission that God had given them, to be a light to the nations, Jesus completed His Father's will perfectly and made a way for people of all nations to be saved. Israel was called to be God's vine, but Jesus comes and He is the true vine. I am the vine. The true vine. Now, since Jesus has introduced himself as the true vine, he continues in the rest of the passage to teach us and his disciples about our relationship to him as branches. We know who Jesus is, we know that he is the true Israel, he is the perfect Israelite, he is the Messiah. And he describes our relationship to him as branches. Let's divide verses 2 through 6 under three simple headings. Number one, an explanation of true and false branches. We see an explanation of true and false branches. Verse 2, he says, "...every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit." So, the work of the vine dresser or the husbandman that tends to the vine is twofold. He takes away unfruitful branches and he prunes fruitful branches to make them more fruitful. Now, when he says he takes away unfruitful branches, the thought is completed down in verse 6 where he says, And they gather them and throw them into the fire and are burned. Now, some take this to say that Christians can become non-Christians. That is, if you are not fruitful as a Christian, if you do not bear fruit as a branch in the vine, then God will cut you off, take away your salvation in Christ, and you will go to hell. To be blunt, that interpretation has absolutely no agreement with anything else in the Gospel of John, or the rest of the Bible for that matter. Amen? Thank you. Paul said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And let's be honest if you can't earn your salvation by works, you certainly can't keep it by works. If I could lose my salvation, I promise you I would. And so would you. It can't happen. Here's what I think he means. And this isn't unique to John 15. We've seen it plenty of times elsewhere. There are those who appear to be true branches. Who appear to have some connection to Christ. But who do not bear spiritual fruit. Remember the context. How many disciples are with Jesus right now? 11. Who's missing? Judas. Why? Because although he appeared to be connected to Christ, although he appeared to be a true disciple, although he appeared to be a branch in the vine, he did not bear the fruit of a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus. And he was taken away. We'll talk more about the fruitless branches in a little while, but notice what he says about the branches that do bear fruit. He says, Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. The word could be translated, cleanses, that it may bear more fruit. Now, I'm not an expert gardener by any means, but I know the purpose of pruning the husbandman the vine dresser takes his knife cuts off that which would hinder the productivity the fruitfulness of the vine and in the same way god takes his providential knife and does the work of pruning those who bear the fruit of salvation in jesus now sometimes pruning Doesn't seem pleasant. Sometimes pruning hurts. The knife is sharp. Remember what Hebrews 12 tells us, right? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Remember the parable in Matthew 7 about the two foundations. Two men built a house and just looking at the house one probably looked no sturdier than the other. Both of these men had nice new homes they were built only on different foundations. One man built his house on a rock, the other built his house on the sand, and what was it that revealed the kind of foundation the house was built on? A storm. Both houses experienced the storm. The rains came, the winds blew, they beat against the houses. The house on the rock stood firm, and the house on the sand, according to the song, went splat. On the surface, looking from the road, the houses may have looked just the same. But they were built on different foundations. And the thing that revealed the foundation was a storm. Christian, don't despise the storms. Because it's the storms that reveal the kind of foundation you have built your life on. Don't despise the pruning because it's the pruning, the chastening, the storms, the trials of life that prove the reality, that prove the genuineness of your faith. Only true branches that bear spiritual fruit get pruned. Yeah, everyone faces tragedy at some point in their lives. Everyone goes through trials. But tragedy and trials shatter the faith of the false convert. But it proves and strengthens the faith of the true. Don't despise the storms. Don't despise the pruning. He says in verse 3, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. That's the same thing that he said to the disciples when he washed their feet in chapter 13. He said, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Judas was the one who was not clean, but Judas is gone now. So now Jesus just says, You are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. What is it that makes you clean? What is it that washes us? What is it that our faith is in? What is it that God uses to cleanse and purify and prune us? It's the Word. True disciples, true branches are made clean by the pruning of God and faith in His Word. Amen? Number two, we have a command to abide in the vine. A command to abide in the vine. Verse 4, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Abide in me, and I in you. That sounds a whole lot like chapter 14. Remember chapter 14, verse 20, he says, At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me. And I in you. Here's the thing. If you've been born again, if you are a true disciple, you are already in Christ. You are in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. And at the very moment of your conversion, you were united to Christ in His death. You have union with Him. You are in Him and He is in you. If you're a Christian, that settles it. It will never change in all eternity. You are in Christ. But the obligation of the Christian, the priority of the Christian life is to obey the command of Jesus to abide in Him. Abide simply means to remain, to stay. He doesn't mean that you have to stay in Him in the sense that you maintain your salvation so you won't lose it. Rather, it's a command to rest in and depend on the Lord Jesus Christ and His work. You see, branches... Need the strength and the nourishment of the vine in order to bear fruit. A branch is useless on its own. It has no strength in itself to do the very thing it was created to do. In the same way, True disciples must depend on the true vine, the Lord Jesus, to provide the strength and the nourishment to bear spiritual fruit. In fact, true branches who abide in the vine, that is true Christians, will bear fruit. No exceptions. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Friends, if you're a child of God, if you're a real Christian, you will bear fruit. It might be slow going. It might take a lot of pruning. It might not come as fast as you'd like. But you will bear fruit. It's inevitable. Notice that Jesus does not command us to bear fruit. The command is to abide in Him. And then He says that if you abide in Him, you will bear fruit. A big problem for us, I think, is that far too often, we try to do the great works for God in our own strength. We're just silly little branches that go, oh boy, I'm going to bear some fruit today. I got this. Yeah. Yeah. The vine. Yeah. The vine saved me. I'm thankful for the vine. Amen. But I got this today. I'm going to go do something great for God. That's ridiculous. Look at the rest of verse five. He says, For without me, you can do very little. No. Without me, you can do nothing. Now, I'm not allowed to use double negatives. I can't use no double negatives. Some of y'all are ready to fire me already just for that sentence. Now, in Greek, you can use double negatives. Because it's a form of emphasis. Emphasis. If somebody says no twice in a sentence in Greek, they're just pressing the point. So, you may tell you what the end of verse 5 says You don't have the power to do nothing. You can do absolutely nothing apart from the vine, apart from the Lord Jesus no matter how much we may want to do great works for God, no matter how much we want to see people saved, no matter how badly we want to make disciples, no matter how much we want to serve our community, no matter how much we want to see the Lord send revival and awakening all across our land, it will never happen by our strength. Never. We must abide in the Lord Jesus because without Him we can do nothing. We must abide in the vine. We don't work and work and work and then come to God to give us rest from our work. That's what the Old Testament Sabbath was. You work all week, you work six days, you come to the Lord on the Sabbath for your rest. No, we don't wear rest from our work. We work from our rest. We already have our rest in the Lord Jesus. We already have all that we need in Him. Our salvation is in Him. Our sanctification is in Him. Everything we need is in Him. We are in Him. And because we have our rest in Him, because His work is sufficient for us, we work from His work. We cannot bear fruit on our own. We abide in the One who can bear fruit through us. We depend on the vine. Because without Him, we're just useless branches. Now what's true for individual Christians is true for those churches that Christians make up. Right? What's true for you as an individual is true for the church as a whole. If our church, this church will ever be a fruitful one, bearing true, lasting spiritual fruit, we have to be a church of people who finds our rest, finds our strength in Jesus. We've got to be faithful to the word of God, to study it, to know what it says, and to obey it. We have to be dependent on God in prayer. And when we find our rest in Him and simply do the things He's commanded us to do, we will bear fruit. We have a command to abide in the vine. Number three, we have a warning to unfruitful branches. A warning to unfruitful branches. Verse 6, He says, If anyone does not abide in Me, He is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. All true Christians abide in Jesus. All Christians remain, stay in the vine. All Christians bear fruit. Not perfectly, not always consistently, but all Christians find their ultimate rest in the Lord Jesus. If you're not depending on Jesus, you can't be saved. That's what salvation is. It's rest, it's trust in His work on the cross. Salvation only comes through Him and His death for us. If you're not depending, resting in Jesus, you cannot be a Christian. Whoever is not abiding in Him is a useless, fruitless branch. Judas looked like the rest of the disciples. When Jesus said, one of you will betray me, no one said, I bet it's Judas. He had a job. He kept the money back. He was the the disciple's treasurer. He was trustworthy, but he bore no spiritual fruit. He did not trust. He did not rest in Jesus. His house was built on the wrong foundation. He did not abide in the vine. He did not rest his hope and eternity on Jesus. And he was cut off. He met his destruction. Jesus said it would be better for him if he had never been born. Maybe some of you appear to have a connection to Jesus. Maybe you've been baptized. You're a member of the church. Maybe you even have a job in the church. But you're not abiding in the vine. You're not bearing spiritual fruit. You're not abiding in Jesus. If you're not abiding in Him, you are a useless, fruitless branch. God's Word has promised that you will be cut off from the Christ you profess to know and you will be burned. See, our sin My sin, your sin, is an offense to our holy God. He must punish sinners for their crimes against Him. But He loves you. And He sent Jesus to die for you. Jesus took your punishment on Himself when He died on the cross. And if you will simply repent and put your trust in Him alone... He will take away your sins and He will give you His own righteousness. He will take away your sins, give you His righteousness. You will be clean in the sight of God. You will be forgiven, you will be guiltless, and you will have eternal life. That's a promise. You can be clean in the sight of God and spend the rest of your days abiding in the true vine. Jesus Christ, by simply putting your faith and trust in him alone. Well, what are these fruits? What are some of the fruits of abiding in the vine? We'll pick that up next week. Stand with me as we pray. God, your word is perfect. You mean what you say. And this is a solemn warning for those who are not abiding in Christ, who are not resting and trusting in Him alone, whose life does not display any spiritual fruit, Lord, I pray if someone here this morning is in that condition that you would make it clear to them and that they would repent and put their trust in you alone. And Lord, for the rest of us, may we not fall into that temptation to depend on our own strength to produce fruit, but may we simply rest in the work you have done for us. May our work come from the strength of your work. Because when we abide in you, you will bring forth fruit in us and through us. May we live this way as individuals and as a church collectively. May we be one that bears fruit as we abide in the vine. In Jesus' name, amen.